This is the Breaking It Down podcast with me, Michelle Falcon. I welcome entrepreneurs and business pros, people just like you, and help them solve their biggest customer, employee, and culture challenges. Let's get into the episode. Everyone, I am here with the great Sonny Verma. Uh, we've known each other for a few years. I mentioned earlier he's, he's a fantastic person, a great entrepreneur. Um, before we get into this, Sonny, I need you to build confidence in the audience. Do, you, do I know what you are going to ask me? No, man, you have no idea. I'm just hoping you can help me. <laughs> That's fair. And that's why I've put this program together. Um, I don't want to try to introduce you. Um, I don't think text or even me trying to explain what it is that you do will do it justice. So if you could, uh, let's kick it off by you sharing like, what, did it, what is it that you do? So my primary love is my company called Tutor Bright. And what we do is focusing on raising a child's self-esteem, self-worth, and self-confidence through academic one-to-one in-home tutoring. My secondary love is the Think and Grow Rich Institute. Um, I'm very, very, uh, I guess you could say, a proponent of Think and Grow Rich. And we develop courses and workshops about Think and Grow Rich across every single English-speaking nation in the world. So perhaps I could have done the second part a little bit better than you, only because I know how modest you are. So mm-hmm. let's, just, let's just call it, let's black and white. Sonny owns a trademark of Think and Grow Rich, the book that has been uh, popularized uh, for the last few, a couple decades, if, if that's correct. Uh, yeah. I have it somewhere in my office, but um, fantastic. How many employees do you have if you were, uh, and do you include your tutors as employees? Oh, we're in the thousands of, of people with our tutors. And our tutors, are, it depends on what country we're looking at. They're anywhere from an independent contractor to employee. Okay, got it. So there's the corporate employees, and then there's the independent contractor, which would be your tutors. Yeah. Fantastic. How many customers would you have in your database um, currently using your services? Above uh, less or more than 10,000? I'd say more. More? Okay. That's good enough for for the statistics (laughs) of the company. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to flip it over to you. What do you have for me? Um, Everything that I've focused on is related to culture, customers, and employees. So if there's anything in that realm, by all means, hit me with it. Yeah. Okay. The first one I actually want to make it about, uh, I want to take you through employees, uh, a couple things. One is that uh, internally we've had some changes recently and... um, Culture can get shooken with with changes. Uh, one of them that we've done where we laid off some people um, due to changing the business trend, the, the changing the tra- trajectory of the business for the betterment of the business. So I, I feel like the way I used to measure KPIs for culture are inaccurate in the benefit of the company. Um, I want to ask you, how do you? What, what are some really good ways of actually measuring culture? Because it's such an abstract thing, but it's so integral for an organization such as mine. I don't think you should be focused on it. Do you ask your mom or your dad to measure you as a son? No, I do not. No, right? That, that's, that would be psychotic. Uh, <laughs> so why is it that we take the same mentality in relationships with our employees and our team as we do 
and, and it's different than how we measure success or have fruitful relationships in our personal life. I'm on a crusade to rid the gap between the relationships we have in our personal life and in our professional life. That Tudor Bright hat, um, you put that on before walking to the office. You don't take that hat off and then put on a different hat when you go into your home or to have an evening with your parents. It's the same damn hat. Um, so let's say you do want to measure it because you find religion and statistics or, or, or whatnot. Yeah. By all means, I do it myself, right? We can measure it through um, weekly surveys, monthly surveys, quarterly surveys. But the most amount of value, like why do you do these things? Why would you want to measure a KPI is to see how you are doing. Like what is my performance yeah. and how can I get better? The more intimate the conversation with your team, the better opportunity you have to take that sentiment to create a stronger relationship. So I would couple a few things. Um, one, if it is appropriate, meaning like your team's big enough, then survey your team. That could be again on a weekly basis by using something like Office Vibe, uh, just a one question once per week or once every two weeks. Uh, you could do it monthly if you like. Uh, again, I say it to, depending on the size of your company because if you only have like five people at your head office, then it's kind of weird sending a survey. Just have real life dialogue. In conjunction with that, um, the employee advisory board, something that I had mentioned to you, I believe a couple years ago, uh, yeah. essentially create a forum for your team members to have direct access to you. How many employees do you have at the corporate level? Because we, uh, yeah, in, with all our corporate locations, oh man, a hundred plus. Okay. Right you're, you're, playoffs, I'd say, yeah. You're absolutely big enough for the, the weekly or the bi-weekly uh, surveys and then the employee advisory board and taking that sentiment. Uh, but to go back to your question, don't concern yourself with the scoreboard. Spend the majority of your time creating the framework to allow the feedback that you're getting to really resonate with you. Now, yeah. I know that you, you had mentioned that there were some layoffs. That's going to be, you know, you're managing turbulence right now. And it probably isn't going to subside. I like to, when there are moments of turbulence in a company culture, a third of your company is thinking of leaving. And they very well might. Another third, and they might be thinking of leaving because of instability, right? They, they need to take care of themselves first. Yeah. The second third need to hear from you. They need their confidence rebuilt. Yeah. They don't want to leave, but they need more security. And then the other third are people that would run through a wall for you. The third that are thinking of leaving, I don't encourage them to leave, but don't chain them to their desk. Let them pursue other opportunities. It's yeah. the, the third, the, the two thirds, the one that, ones that are like going to run through the uh, wall for you, do not neglect them. Okay. I'm not suggesting that you are, but often companies will be like, they have my back even if, this company went bankrupt. They would follow me to the next thing. But it's the third that needs their confidence rebuilt. And to rebuild their confidence, are you going to leverage KPIs to do that? No. Like it's, it's like how am I going to get closer to them to make sure that they feel secure, right? Like you are um, their leader. You are the flag bearer. 
So I got my second question, because this goes right into it. So we're coming into the new year, right? And one of the best parts of the new year is that there is a lot of cheer in the air, which leads to a lot of optimism, a lot of positivity. And with that, we come to the conversations of goal setting, a lot about individual goal setting and personal goal setting. But at the same time, as an entrepreneur and a leader in my company, I think about a lot of my goals that are associated with my work. Um, I wanted I wanted to ask you if you've ever seen in practice where you do where where how you do proper or some sort of goal setting with your organization. I I want to really dig deep here because I, there's something about it this time of year where I know from a working with kids from this standpoint is that this is like the best time of year to sit down with your kids and talk to them about goal setting. I think similarly, there might be a really great opportunity in front of me to, to talk to my team about goal setting and what can actually happen this time of year if we were to pursue something together. Okay. How confident are you in your framework for goal setting for Sunny Verma Inc., the individual? Very confident. Do you think it could be replicated by your team members and they could benchmark it? Yes. Share it with them. Have you shared it with them? Your personal one? I didn't share my personal goals, but the framework, yeah, because we use it on all our students to get their grades up. So what, why hasn't that worked in the past? Uh, it, I just never did it with my team in the past. The thing is, that I, I guess there's, there's a couple of things here. One, do I want to um, do, do I present the goal to them, which I have in my mind? Or do I collectively decide it with them? No. Um, like the organizational goal, whether it's revenue or growth or whatever, you're the leader. You should know what that goal is and the team should follow. Now, I don't want that to sound uh, militant. Like this is the goal, you know, um, rally behind me or else. Like that's not, you know, that that's not good for anybody. It's up to you to cement that goal. But you have to explain to the team, how did you come to this conclusion that this should be the goal for us, knowing that we're all going to be living within it? So as you are creating it and cementing it for the company, you have to be, you know, you can't just be thinking of Sonny Verma Inc. and his bank account or the corporate bank account. You have to think of how is this going to impact the individuals? I, I met an entrepreneur um, not too long ago, earlier this year. And I said, what's like your goal for your, for your company? And he said, to be the biggest in the industry. And I thought to myself, and I wasn't close enough with him to be like, hey, that's kind of a shitty goal. But that's a self-serving goal. Who's going to really get up in the morning and be like, yes, <laughs> build the biggest in the industry yeah, now, right? So like that's true, such man. a short-sighted goal. Like yeah, it sounded like that individual created that goal within a 30, like he was told to create a goal. So he created, pulled something from thin air. So when you sit down to think about the goals, be like, will team members actually rally behind this? Or yeah. is, am, am I just thinking of Sunny Verma when I create this goal? So mm -hmm. you should create it on your own. But um, how you can get your team members, and this is worth noting, I am not a goal setting expert. It's something that I've been exploring for the past three or four years, changing the framework uh, every single year as I see fit and based on what I learned the year before. What I've worked, uh, what has worked successfully for my team members is we'll have an organizational goal, but then we'll also have individual goals that we share with each other. So I have, uh, um, personally, I have the organizational goal. I have a finance goal. I have a health goal. Um, I have a professional goal and I have a philanthropic goal. 
Yeah. Those are the four goals that I have for 2020. Whether you, I don't think it's right to have your team member like shove those subjects as their goals like down their throat. But what's helpful is if you kind of break it down for them and help them understand how you came about creating those goals for yourself. Because now if there's an organizational goal and there's personal goals, the habit of goal setting for themselves and to follow the company's goal will become further embedded into their DNA as a, as a human being. And now you have this team just like have tunnel vision toward these goals. Um, I'm one, I have to have things that are measurable. I need to measure things. I like how I'm hardwired. I can't just like start Monday or start at the beginning of the year being like, okay, well let's get going. Like I need to have a measure of success in this regard. So yeah. instead of trying to measure the sentiment back to your first question, trying to measure the happiness of the team member, why not try to fulfill their happiness by setting goals for themselves as individuals, get them practicing that habit and then watch. They're going to help you achieve the organizational goal. One has to come before the other, the personal ones, because your team members are going to be asking themselves, well, what's in it for me? Maybe they say it quietly to themselves. Yeah. Um, so help them share your personal framework for the personal goals and then follow it up with the organizational goal. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um, dude, that was gold. That was gold. Um, Thanks, brother. Sending man. I, I actually really, uh, I, I dig that. Um, I guess uh, because I, that's something I'm, I think is really valuable. It almost, so I guess I got a follow-up question that I wasn't even thinking of asking specifically for this, but um, have you seen leaders get involved with personal goals of their employees? I know in the past that you've said this, like you'd rather have a team member that has an ambition outside your company to help them go pursue it or whatever it may be. But have you seen this be done as like an ongoing practice, like part of the company's fabric? And if so, how? Yeah, so what I do is, quarterly check-ins toward the goal. I like year-long goals, but then you break them down um, quarterly. Yeah. So I do this for my direct reports. You can't possibly do it for all 100 employees. The numbers beat you, but for your direct, direct reports, and then their direct reports do it with them. So this is the practice. At the beginning of the year, um, pardon me, before the beginning of the year, so in December, um, show them the framework. Get them to create their goals. Then for your direct reports, put four meetings on the calendar. One at the end of Q1 and a Q2 and a Q3 and a Q4. So it's now on your calendars and this is the quarterly check-in to see how are we trending toward those goals. So for example, my philanthropic goal is $50,000 um, donated to an animal shelter here in Toronto. So if I break that down, that's simple math, 12,500 every single quarter. And I need to trend toward that every single, at the, by the end of uh, every single quarter. And I have an accountability partner for my goals. And, um, and I'm the accountability partner for my direct reports goals. Uh, I have a if, a, if a team member wasn't comfortable sharing their personal goals with me, I would question how strong the relationship is that I have yeah. with them. Mm. because why not yeah. like i want to i want to serve you i want to help you so it's that 
or we didn't help serve them well enough in establishing goals that they're confident in. Mm. And then lastly, no, no easy goals, no, like no easy goals and no goals that are too like unattainable. I hate it when people are like, Oh, but you know, let's create a, a really high ambitious goal because even if we miss, we're still good. What type of mentality is that? It's like the eighth place ribbon, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Yeah. Uh, if you set goals with your, like you said, the accountability partner and being accountability partner to all, uh, your team members, um, what capacity does that take up of your time? And have you ever thought about putting team members on team members? Okay. So the first goal time, it, it, I haven't measured it, but it's worth it. Yeah. So anything worth doing will find time on your calendar. What gets scheduled gets done. Show me a person's calendar and I'll tell you what their priorities are. Mm. So I don't have a question for that other than a statement that I would say, how important is employee engagement and productivity to the organization? Very. Yeah. We'll find the time. There's enough time. Even if you're like, okay, I need two hours a month to help my team achieve their goals. Where are two hours of something I'm doing right now that can be offset or uh, handed off to somebody else? Yeah. Can you repeat the second part of the question? Yeah. What about them being accountability partners with each other? Yeah. doing that? Peer accountability. Some, I don't want to say sometimes that works because it's really dependent on the relationship of peers within the company. But sometimes I've heard that I, I've, I like the direct report cause it, it just, you have your meetings on a weekly basis already. So it already there's the, the platforms there already, but uh, peer to peer accountability and goal setting. I don't, I haven't seen or heard of it going wrong. Yeah. But it really depends. Like if your department to department and peer-to-peer -peer relationships are strong, by all means, do not try to use this as a way to build the relationship with people. That's way too awkward, way too soon. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's got to be some work done. The trust has to be, has to be built first. Yeah. And, um, you know, goal setting for me within the organization, there are direct lines to employee engagement, productivity, morale. And then, of course, the outcome of that is better client, customer, student experiences. And it's just a ripple effect. And going back to the time part, I have uh, – it's kind of an arbitrary goal or rule, um, but it's 80-20. 80% 80 of my uh, – I want eight, our managers to spend 80% of their time focused on the employee and the mm. team, the culture. The other 20% would be for critical thinking in regards to better experiences for clients and customers. The, the weight of our time and our budgets have to go into the team. The output for the client will be exceptional. And more often than not, I have found that investments in employees can be more cost-friendly than investments in customers. Yeah. Because the employee's already on your playground, right? They're already in your playing field, rather. Um, they're within arm's reach. With customers, sometimes they might not be in the same office as you. You don't speak to them as frequently. 
right? So therefore that initiative that you have to build to strengthen the relationship with the client or the student in your case could be harder and more expensive. So go with the, you know, pardon the expression because I don't care for it too much, but go for the low hanging fruit. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Okay, I got one last question for you. Um, you talk about employee advisory board. I've heard you even mention a customer advisory board. This is something I've been thinking about. Uh, I don't know how to put it into place. Um, my customers are dispersed. I was also thinking your customers are pretty dispersed as well, right? It's the, it, it, they're few, they're, 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 they could be coming from anywhere across wherever to, to have um, a, a amazing meal at one of your restaurants. So how do you create a customer advisory board and what are you looking for? I can understand what I'm looking for an employee advisory board, but what am I sure. even looking for in the customer advisory board? Yeah. So, um, this is in no particular order, but it just has me thinking I need to write a blog post about this. So note to self. Um, so no particular order as it's coming to mind. Um, give me a bit of context on the company. Are you uh, Canada, US, what other countries? I would do one for each country. Yes. And regionally. So this is what I'm recommending. You have to lead it. Like yeah. you, Sunny Verma, have to lead it. Okay. Yeah. Have somebody by your side to capture notes. But the reason, like, you're the flag bearer. you got to be the, the representative of this because it sends such a loud message, like, holy, the CEO is running this? Not many, no, that's an admired leader. So one, non-negotiable, you're leading this meeting. How you set it up, in your case, I would have, you're right, one for Canada, one for the U.S. Have, uh, for sake of argument, uh, actually, between four to six people sit on this board have them uh, maybe a couple from the West Coast, a couple from the East Coast, a couple from the Maritimes and so forth, and do the same for the, uh, the US market too, because your customers on the West Coast in California might behave differently than the ones in Virginia, for example. And it's interesting to get the customers talking, because they will um, pick up on the subtle differences in how they behave with customers too. And it's very interesting to watch customers interact within the, with each other. And you're taking a step back. And I don't know if we were probably not running businesses at this time, but Pepsi and Coca-Cola used to stand behind panes of glass and watch customers, uh, like focus groups. Yeah. Watch customers and like, like, did you see that? His arm moved to the left. Like, what does that mean? Like, but, <laughs> um, but in your case, you're just going to like, you're going to be doing the majority of listening than talking. You're going to watch these customers talk amongst each other and you're hosting it. Do it virtually in your case, of course. Yeah. Um, you could do it in person. Save that for another time when it's more cost friendly. It's, it's better in person, but it is more, uh, it's not cost friendly, do it online in a Zoom call like this. So do it regionally. Now, for you have to create something that I call the customer muse. Who is, and perhaps you've done something like this already, who is your target customer, right? It's the parent perhaps who might, you know, you have your description already. Yeah. But make sure that you are adhering to that target audience have some people, have a male, have a female, like mix it up a bit. So in my case, I would have um, a customer uh, join our customer advisory board who are in their later 20s. She's a female. She works on Bay Street. She goes out for cocktails two or three times a week uh, for a casual cocktail two or three times a week. Um, but then we also have the event planner 
who uh, books events for companies like TD Bank yeah. uh, because we have an event side of the business. So you have to, you can't just have the same people representing uh, the entire board, mix it up a bit because um, it'll be really interesting uh, to hear the dialogue that they have amongst each other. Um, on your side, who you should invite from Tudorbright is the admin person to capture all the notes, send the invitations, send the thank yous and so forth. And then um, this is probably, um, you would have to make up make this call because I don't know your company intimately enough, but have make one or two other individuals who are your you know lieutenants or your right hand person. But don't invite more than that because if there's too many people on the Tudor Bright side, it's intimidating for the audience. Yeah. Keep it lean on your side. So That's maybe it's your director of marketing. Right, because your director is thinking, how can we take the sentiment of in their messaging and better the business? Or maybe it's your ops person or or whomever. Um, compensation. Yeah. Totally up to you. Um, I have found that if you have to, this is generally speaking. If this isn't just for customer advisory board, but if you have to compensate people to help you, I don't know how engaged they are. You can, like in my world, we'll give them, you know, gift certificates and give them access to purchase New Year's Eve tickets before everyone else. So kind of perks. I don't, because your customers should want your business to be stronger for their child. If somebody's sitting there with their hand out, I would question their motivation. Yeah. So I like to say no compensation in terms of currency. Um, because it can, I, I, I just don't like that. It doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, I feel you on that. It's also cost money too. <laughs> Our bottom line doesn't like these things. No, not at all. Um, are you good? I'm great, man. That was huge. That was huge for me. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you coming with your challenges. Um, I am going to keep tabs on you uh, throughout 2020. You know me. I'm going to push you. I'm going to push you like you push me to be better. Yes. Everyone. The great Sonny Verma. I'm going to link up all his credentials uh, down below this video. Hook up with Sonny. Would it kill you to buy a couple copies of the book? Probably not. And uh, would it kill you to consider using his business? Uh, it wouldn't. It would better your life. Sonny, thank you so much. Thank you, man. appreciate you, man. Take care, thank brother. You. Peace. I told you Sonny was a great entrepreneur. He thinks critically. He's always thinking about his employees and how he can develop a better culture so that the outcome is a better customer experience and the business will grow from there. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you want to be on the show, email me directly. If you learned something by watching this episode, click the like button, share it with some of your peers and colleagues, and don't forget to watch other episodes that I've recorded. I will see you next time.